mailing list. So I'm not really that. Okay, so we're in Atachonin. Or we're, we didn't quite get into it, although we started talking about it. Um, but still talking about it sort of as an introduction. The aspect of Atachonin. Do you want to sit her? We have. Managed to put this adorable away after Shabbos, so okay. very conveniently at hand, you know. Okay, <laughs> too conveniently at hand. All right, but really, in particular, we've been speaking about um, about atach- the aspect of atachonin that causes it to be. Um, an introduction to the entire section of Shemona Esrei, that's the bakashos, that's the requests. When we're asking for all of our needs from Hashem in Shemona Esrei, which we talked about in the introduction to Shemona Esrei, um, and this, I, so last week, and I actually want to just come back. Maybe, maybe this maybe this piece from Refresh is actually helpful over here. You know, we didn't get to this. It is helpful here, exactly. The only thing is, I didn't integrate these new notes with that. Um, we talked about last week was the aspect in which Shimon Esrei corresponds to the korban of the Tamid. And in particular, that the Karban Tamid had three parts, the showering of the blood, the offering up of all the limbs and organs of the animal, and the mincha and nesachim, the flour, the oil, the wine that goes along with it. And that those three correspond to the three parts of Shemona Esrei, the shavach, the bakashos, and the hodah, which means that the bakashos, the requests, correspond to all the separate parts that create the whole. So there's the whole of a korban, and in the first stage, there's the sprinkling of the blood, which permeates the entire body and is the life of the animal or of the person. The second phase is haktaras evarim. So that is offering up all the organs and limbs, but that's done by dividing them. They're divided up and put onto the mizbeach. So it's sort of, we analyze them in all their separate parts, even though they create, a, they are what made this whole. And this, we said, is divided up as 13, or 12 originally, and now 13 brachos. How did Rav Hirsch put it? Offering all the internal and external organs of intellectual, moral, and physical activity to the fire that is the law of God. In other words, how do you achieve the role? First is the showering upward, the elevation upward of the life force. Okay, but then how do you do that in practice? And how you do that in practice is now step by step by step by step. There's all these parts to how we implement actually dedicating our lives to God. And that's in the separate limbs and organs. That's in how we actually fulfill his will, which is told to us in the Torah as mitzvos. So that actual performance of mitzvos is in there, and that nourishes and nurtures all that is divine on earth. And then the third part, which is the hodah, the gratitude, is the tribute of the thanksgiving. So the flour, the oil, the wine. It says, I have and I have plenty. Thank you. It's from you. Okay. 
So that was, that was what we talked about last week um, and how that corresponds over here. And I think we even, yes, we did get to this. I see we put our notes is that we're over here. But I want to I wanna just introduce Rav Hirsch gave what seemed like a little bit different definition of Das, Bina, and Haskell. Three, three words for knowledge. Um, but I want to look at them again because I think that it, with the things that we learn now, we'll see that he summed them up for us in this definition, in these definitions. So Dea, or Das, the true perception of the real nature of things and conditions. Bina, he defined as insight into the interrelationships of things gained by logical judgment. And Haskell, he called practical wisdom, the proper application of that which has thus been learned. And I think that that, um, that is our introduction to what we're going to talk about today, which I hope is getting us closer and closer to this idea that I've been really aiming at, but not been granted yet. Okay. So, yeah, the insight into the interrelationships of things. And this is gained by logical judgment. I see that the place that I put this is not actually, okay. Not the right place. order is not good here on these notes, at least not for where I'm holding in this moment. All right. So if the, the middle part of the brachos is the breakdown into separate parts, it's understanding the goal and how we aim to achieve the goal. So Abu Darham points out, Rav Hirsch actually said over there, I think, uh, I don't see it right here, that this is the first and foremost request of the Jew. I think we said that last week, right? This, I, that why do we start with knowledge, asking Hashem for knowledge and wisdom? Because that's our first concern. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today is why is that our first concern? Um, I'm going to go out of order with this Abu Darham. So he says, Vida, you should know. Ki ko bracha hakodemes lechaverta meula mimena. The order of these brachos is uh, obviously not incidental. Gemara talks about why is one before the other. But he says there's a principle here that if a bracha comes before another bracha, then it is a higher level than the one that follows. That, that's not something you could just, like, assume. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a principle, right? And the need for it is greater than a bracha which follows. So the earlier a bracha appears in this series, the more necessary and valuable is the, the gift or the need that is being asked. And therefore, first, chonein hadas. Is the request, I don't know, like, is, I don't know how obvious that would be to us when you compare it to Geula, mm -hmm. right? Or, and there's all kinds of things in here. But the very first is that God grant wisdom. Shame ain't das ain't shuva. 
And now, now he's actually taking another step. He's saying, the, f the earlier a bracha comes in the series, the more necessary and the more like elevated mm -hmm. it is. He says, but more than that, it sounds like you need the prior ones in order to receive the later ones. Like if you wouldn't have the first thing, don't bother asking about the second thing. Not, I, I, no. That may have come out wrong because it doesn't mean like, oh, well, I feel stupid, therefore I won't bother asking in Shwana Esther. <laughs> He's saying like, I wouldn't even ask for item number five until I ask for one, two, three, four, because on its own, what would five do? How would it help me if I don't have one, two, three, four? Okay, so I'm asking in order of necessity. He says, Im ein das, if a person doesn't have knowledge or understanding, see, Rav Hirsch's definition over here was, true perception of the real nature of things and conditions, ain't shuva. Okay, the second bracha is teshuva. Yeah. Okay, so he's using this as the first example. If you wouldn't have das, what's, <laughs> how are you going to have tshuva? Okay, so before you ask for tshuva, ask for das. Okay. And similarly, um, sorry, I skipped along here. Because if a person doesn't know how to distinguish between good and bad, right? We know the bracha on das in the beginning of brachos was, the ability to distinguish between that which is night and day, good and bad. And if you can't tell the difference between good and bad, how exactly were you planning to implement teshuva if God gave it to you? Like, right? Yeah, it, it, it's predicated on the bracha before. V'cheinim lo yashuv. And similarly, if a person will not do teshuva, so now he's going to compare the second to the third, matoi lo slichas What good does it do him, bracha number three, to beg God to forgive his sins? You're begging God to forgive your sins without teshuva? No, the, it's, it's dependent on, right? If you would create a Gantt chart in business, right, to, for like project management. So you do these lines across, it's a calendar, and you make a line, and the length of the line is how long it takes to do the project. And there are certain things that are dependencies upon other things. So I guess if it was architecture, right, until you build the foundation, you don't show like installing the electricity. Okay? okay, maybe certain wires, right? Some things have to follow others. So you put it on the chart that way so that one thing doesn't get activated before the next. He's kind of saying like it's like a Gantt chart of brachos. You start with das because why would you be asking for tshuva if you don't have das? Right, first you say, Hashem, I beg you for das. Once I ask you for das, now I could ask you for tshuva. Once I ask you for tshuva, I could ask you for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But if the person's not going to have tshuva, what are they asking forgiveness? Okay. Because he's going to be a sinner, sinning every day, because if he didn't ask for, for das to know the difference between good and bad, and he didn't ask for tshuva to be able to repent from what he did that was wrong, now, if he wouldn't have, now he's moved on to Hashem asking for forgiveness, the next bracha after that is asking Hashem to see our suffering and fight on our behalf and save us from those who oppress us. He says, but if the person's not going to be, not going to have forgiveness for his sins, because he didn't do tshuva, because he didn't have das, what is he asking? What does that even mean to ask Hashem to save him from his enemies and his sufferings? Because the purpose, of course, of the enemies and the sufferings, right, has to do with the problems and correction of the problems of the sins. As it says, that the, 
the enemy is this, the staff of God's anger. In other words, the enemy is not an enemy on their own. An enemy is one way that God sends out his anger, his punishment for what we do wrong. So the, the correction to that is not to start by asking God to save us from enemies. It's to say, please give me das. Please give me tshuva. Please grant me forgiveness. Then you can talk about the enemies. That's like down the line in the same way that the enemy itself is actually a downstream representation. The next one is asking for health because what benefit does it give him to have his health if he's being chased by enemies? He's in great health, but he can't sit down. He can't stop because he's constantly on the run. Not going to feel like, okay. After that, we ask Hashem to bless us with uh, plenty of food and produce in the fields. What's the benefit of having the wealth if he's too sick, if he's suffering so badly in illness, right? So that's why first we ask for the health and only afterward we ask for the wealth. And this is something we all know. We observe this in life, right? What it doesn't help a person. They can't buy health, right? So, so what do we learn from this? He says, okay, so what do we get from this? Slicha, forgiveness. That's one, two, three brachas before you ever talk about parnasa. Beshalosh malos, three degrees. The kinyan das bechamesh, the acquisition of knowledge, that's five degrees higher than parnasa. Lachain roi, therefore, it befits a person. Lirdov acharehem kifima alasam. One thing we should understand, he's, he's taken us several degrees of thought into this. The implications of the order of the brachos. If a person is going to figure out, right, we're talking about there's an overall avoda, the dedication of life to God, that it's not about my will, it's about God's will. Mm-hmm. And we're breaking down here, that we're, we're talking about what we're asking from Hashem, but it's in terms of our ability to serve him. So if a person's figuring out how to schedule their time, okay, which is like, you know, the nuclear physics level of, of mission and role planning, is figuring out how you actually spend your day, then it befits a person, it behooves them, to spend more time pursuing the things that are more fundamental and less time, not no time, but less, meaning you, you sh- your schedule should be representative of how fundamental these things are. That's what it should look like. Your day should be, represent- should be represented in the Shmonesri and vice versa. Right? Because if Parnasa really would have value only dependent upon health, so it could be that for health, a person only needs to spend an hour a day on their health. That could be. But we know that when a person is not well, they will certainly spend more time on health and less time on partisan. Meaning when a person's like actually, you know, a person will take a week off to go have surgery. <laughs> Why? Because what's the point of not, to, it makes no sense not to. It doesn't make sense to say, well, I'll keep working, right? And collapse. <laughs> What did you gain? You didn't get the work and you didn't get the health, right? So 
you, you balance out, that's how, what it's going to look like. Whatever amount of time it, it does take to achieve those things, that should be the order in which they get entered into your life. So a person should pursue these things in accordance with their, with their degree of importance. Or these are all important things. This is not, it's not saying they're not important, but how they depend upon one another. He says, so if a person would, would walk a mile to buy uh, merchandise, how far would you drive to get to a good mall, a good store? Right? I mean, like, if you like, I don't know, Bloomingdale's, you're going to go to Santa Monica, you're going to go to Century City, and you won't shop on Lincoln. Like, right, it's right here. Then he certainly should be willing to go six miles to learn Torah. Because it's five degrees above it. He's saying, just multiply it. It says each, multiply it. You want to figure out how far... <laughs> it, it's really logical. <laughs> it's really logical, and it's it's um. It, I think in some ways it's an example of, it's an example of the haskale that we're talking about in Atachonin. It's an example of what it means to learn almanas lasos. To learn in order to do. We'll get to that a little more. What does it mean when a person is learning in order to write Haskell was practical wisdom, the proper application of that which has been learned? I mean, this is, a, this is a perfect example of a practical application of what has been learned. It's not a stretch. It's not one of these cute allegorical connections. Okay? It's, it's, it's absolutely logical. Someone who's willing to, to bear the burden of a certain amount of, of toil and effort and hardship and, and physical strain. He'll push himself in order to not take any financial hit. Then he should be prepared and expect of himself, not that he should expect it, but he should plan for himself to be willing to take double that amount of pushing himself Putting a strain, because people will do a lot for a job, right? I mean, it's important. You got to pay the bills. You got to eat, right? So a person will wake up much earlier than is comfortable. A person, they're in the mood to eat something, but they won't stop to eat because it's not time for their break yet. They'll, they'll hold off. They'll control themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They'll keep working later than what they meant, you know, would otherwise have felt like doing. So how much burden and physical... Strain is a person going to take on himself in order not to take a financial hit. He should be willing to take double that in order not to sin. Okay? Because if you're going to go from Parnassa and you're going to go back two or three steps up to avoiding sin, right? You got to be willing to take multiples. If he's, if he's doing tshuva for the sin, so one is, I guess he's saying to prevent doing a sin would be double. But if a person has been sinning and he needs to fix it, to do tshuva for it, that's double-double. That's two more steps back. Okay. All, all of, and, and with all of the other things, he shows that it's one depends upon the next. So the ingathering of the exiles comes first, and then they will appoint, or God will appoint, or people will appoint judges who will 
um, who will judge and remove the wickedness. And in seeing this, those who are righteous will rejoice, and the Shekhinah will rest amongst the Jewish people, and the son of David will come. Mashiach ben David will come. So you learn from this that Kibbutz Galios in Gathering of the Exiles comes before Tzemach David in many ways, before the son of David can come in many ways, and up until here. So this so, is... I have a question. Yeah. So let's say you are focused on Da'as because you feel you need that as your base. Right. So is it okay to uh, not skip, but not really focus on the other brachasevim, but really focus on one and then ask for acceptance of prayer the very end? You know, in other words, or it's not the very end, but it's one of the ones at the end to say Shema So that's a good, it's a really good question. Right, like where should you put your effort in your davening, just like you would yeah. put your effort in your day? So we do have a principle, which like I'd be afraid to say like, yeah, like don't pay attention to those, just pay like, I don't know, which one asked, right? No, right? But, but we do have a principle that we should have an extra focus on the first bracha of Shmona Esrei. Now that may, and we talked about how one aspect of that is that it includes within it really everything else. It's as with everything in Torah, right? The first has embedded in it the DNA of everything else. Which one are you talking about? The very beginning. Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam. Not Elokeinu, sorry. Elokeinu Velokei Avoseinu, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchok. That whole bracha is where a person has to specially focus. If you don't focus on that, it's a question if you got in Shemona Okay, it, it can happen. You get right near the end and you're like, whoops. <laughs> you were just sort of like mentally still getting into Shemona Esri. Like why we don't do that when we're taking our three steps forward, I couldn't say. <laughs> we have to make anchors for ourselves earlier on, right? Okay. So if you would take that into account, then I would say that it, it's not contradictory. It's in accordance with that to say that if this is the first bracha of the Pakashos, that if a person's going to decide, I will put more focus. I'd be afraid to say, like, yeah, sure, focus right. less, right? Okay, right but let's more. turn it around okay. and say, I'm going to specially try and pay attention. Because you can only work on so many things at once, mm -hmm. right? I will specially yeah. try and attend to this bracha. Let me put some special effort into this. It seems like that would be appropriate. Because I have to say... It seems that, like it's a foundation you know, for everything you're else. you're in a, in, a, in a shul or whatever, and it's Shemona Esrei... You've got a time constraint also. Everybody is like davening, and you want to focus on something, but you really have to finish by the end so that you right. can say the, you know, the cottage or whatever. Yes and no. I mean, we learned it wasn't that way. We asked this question once. We asked this question once to Rabbi After. Um, he, I have to remind him to get back to me with, the, with his approval because I typed up the notes he sent back because we wanted to use them as, an, as a handout so that uh -huh. we could have it in front of us. The halachos of what do you do when you're still davening Shemona Esrei and the Chazar Sashat starts, <laughs> right? Like, and then they're like, Kedusha, and yes. you know, what, what should you do? But the fundamental principle there was if you're not done davening Shemona Esrei, you just keep davening Shemona Esrei. That's your main job. So, but I understood that when they do Kedusha, you have to stop everything. I don't pain. remember. I would have I mean, to go back. It says in this book. Right. It says in... Um, well, I have a different, the women's uh -huh. version of this that says when you're, do, if anybody, if the, if the shul's doing Kedusha, everybody 
must, the, the, the thing is you have to stop and listen no matter what you're doing. Right, so I don't remember. We asked this Shiloh. We asked it as a question, and I don't remember now what he said about Kedusha when you happen to be in the middle. Like, mm. basic principle was you keep davening and you're not noticing what's going on out there, and that's what you're supposed to do. It, there was something in a certain part, and I don't remember if it was the whole Shmona Esrei or just if you were at the end of Shmona Esrei, where you might stop and stand quietly during Kedusha without actually saying it. And oh, be Yotze on there in Kedusha. Be, yeah. It could be, but I don't, even, I don't remember what the halacha was. Okay. I don't remember. But the, the basic thing was actually you just keep davening. Like that, even though what they're doing is super important, it doesn't supersede, it doesn't override you saying Shmon Esri properly. You're standing and talking to the king. The fact that somebody else came in and started talking also. But you're doing it as a group. But not, you're not in the group now. You are davening. You are having a private conversation. And so in other words, when you are in a group... I don't remember. Really if, if you remember to ask me, individual. if you remember to ask me, because I might not remember to, okay. on my own, but if you think of it again and you're wondering about that, I will okay. find those notes and I'll send them to you. Because okay. I have them. I just don't have them in front of me. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry, I just want to, no, 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 it's, it's good. Okay, so now I want to move, so I'm just trying to figure out like what order I'm working here. Okay, this is going to be number two. <laughs> There's just like four amazing pieces here that I want to do, but I'm not doing them in the same order he wrote them. Okay, so now I want to move to the schla. I'll probably reprint these out and cut them into pieces. It says the following. The Siddur Shar HaShemayim, which is a Siddur in accordance with the teachings of the Shalach. Okay. Ata Honein, with regard to this bracha. Habrachas ha'emtsoyos shebahem she'elas kol hatzrochim. He says, these brachos that are in the middle of Shemona Esrei, introduced by Ata Honein, what, what is this section of brachos? We're asking for what we want and what we need. He says, embedded within the fact that we are asking for what we need is the idea of yichud. Yichud meaning unity or unification. So we understand he's talking about uh, we understand what the topic is, not, not, not the topic itself. The yichud of God's name, the unification of God's name. It's not something we really understand. Like, if you do, don't tell me. I'm not ready. <laughs> okay? We, we've, we've seen hints of it, right? The idea, Purim time, we hear this, Devar Torah about ki al ka, that Amalek has a hand against the throne of God. And the words case, case is missing an olive, it should be kisei, like a throne or chair. And ka is only half of God's name, yod and hey, but it's not yod hey and vav hey. So there's missing, there's some, something missing in the wholeness of God's name, meaning the expression or the recognition of God as the creator and master of the universe, that's part of the kavana of yod hey, vav and hey, right, is not fully expressed in the world. That, that we've heard. That's just like, you know, this is what the topic is, what it means. It's hard to say for us, right? But that's the topic. Whose need is that? We're asking for our needs. Whose need is the 
unity of God's name. So it's our need. It's our need. But in Kabbalistic terms, it's called a tzorach gavoha, a higher need. Meaning, when I am striving, when I am doing something for the sake of kiddush Hashem, sanctification of God's name, or kriyas Hashem, declaring God's name into the world, I'm not really doing it for my sake. I mean, I'm doing it for his sake. That, that when a person gives up his life, al kiddush Hashem, he's not doing it for his own sake. He's not doing it thinking, this is a good deal. I'll give up my life in this world and I'll have a better life in the next world. That's not what it means when we say the person died, I'll keep you right? It means that their death itself causes a sanctification of God's name, a declaration of God's name into the world, that Hashem is Haya, Hovevihiya. He always was, He always is, He always will be. He created the universe and He created it with love, and that's a relationship we would never give up. The declaration of that into the world is a unification of His name. It is a making a fuller expression of his name into the world through that action or through that decision. And that is for his sake. Now I say that it's like kivyachol, as if it could be, because God doesn't actually need anything, right? But from where we're standing, that would be called a higher need. It's not really a lower need like of me living down here. That's a higher need. That's like doing it for God's sake, not for my sake. Not because I'm saying God is missing anything, but that's what it is in this relationship. It's not me doing for my sake down here. It's doing for his sake up there. But doesn't it end up being for your sake? I mean, if you're... You, ser- you never lose out by doing for God. But where we're coming from is not thinking about doing it for our sake. Mm-hmm. It's a higher, it's, there's this higher level mm-hmm. of doing it where the only one we're thinking about is his sake. His good, so to speak, right? That that's a higher level. If the person is thinking about the benefit to themselves, that would be not necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be the peak of that selflessness that we strive to at the level of a Shmona Esrei, at the level of Ein Od Milvado, there's none other than him. It's no longer even me and him and my ego and his ego and me subjugating my desires to him. It's actually, I'm only seeing that. I'm only seeing his will mm-hmm. and, so to speak, his tzorach. What, what is for his sake? What, what, what does God need here? Right. Okay. Not that he has a need, but when I'm looking at how do I decide what to do, you know, if you go to visit someone in the hospital, and it can happen that, I mean, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't know from sickness, but there are visitors who come and they're there for themselves because they want to be righteous and do beaker cholim or they're curious to see how this person is doing, right? Or they want other people to know how good they are, that they came, or whatever, okay. But there's also a way of being with someone in the hospital where what you're thinking of is only them. What does this person need? They need a visitor. My husband once had a visitor. He had had abdominal surgery. And we came downstairs one day, and in our mailbox, you know, I'm not even sure it was in the mailbox. It might have even been upstairs. It might have been in the mailbox. There was a card that had been hand-delivered. There was no stamp. There was a card, and it wished him a refuah shalema, and it had a reference in there to a halacha that when someone's had an abdominal illness or surgery, you shouldn't visit them. It's a halacha. 
okay? Because the person, the, the sick person might feel uncomfortable. What if they have to run to the bathroom? What if they're throwing up, right? <laughs> it's embarrassing for them. So the halacha is you don't visit them. Okay? I mean, unless you really know they want the visitor, don't visit them. Yeah, it's an amazing and very sensitive halacha. Okay, but there was, this person had gone above and beyond the halacha. There's halachas, you don't come. Okay, so what did they do? They bought a card. They wrote on the card. They didn't live in Jerusalem. This person doesn't live in Jerusalem. They live in a suburb, which if you don't have a car, that's an even bigger deal. Okay, they had come all the way to our house, up the stairs to the mailbox, and not come to the door. It was on purpose. They visited. They just didn't visit. It was the most incredible expression of, of real bikacholim and real sensitivity you could ever see. I, I'm still blown away by it. He's, a, he's not as young as he was then. He was young. I'm trying to think, was he even married by then? Maybe. Like, you know, it's a young man to have that kind of sensitivity because what he showed was, I did not come because it was convenient and say it was because of this halacha. I came. I just didn't come all the way and knock to disturb you because that wasn't what you needed. Mm -hmm. That was an incredible thing. So there's a way of visiting somebody. Now, sometimes you could visit someone. You could actually go all the way in, right? But you're sitting there. Does this person need to talk or do they need to listen? Or do they need quiet? Or do they need to, you know, maybe you walk in and you find out they're sleeping. So you should leave. <laughs> Don't, you know, not like, hello, I'm sorry to disturb you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Right? You don't know how, you know, it's hard to sleep in a hospital at <laughs> the yeah. best of times, let alone that when someone is like yeah. recuperating and they need the rest, right? Who, who am I here for? That's going to be what's on my mind when I'm deciding what to do. In a bigger sense, when we're standing in the world, and especially in a Shemona Esrei, what does God need here? It's not because I'm saying he has a need. It's where am I focused, right? What does he want from me here? That's the opposite of thinking about myself. It's that my whole awareness is only about what does he want? Mm -hmm. What can I do for him? Okay, so coming back to the shla. Who is saying that embedded within this series of brachos that is on its surface, not only on its surface, that is request for all of our needs, embedded into that, is the concept of yichud, which is a higher need, not ours. So for example, how many brachos are there in requesting our needs? 13. 13 is gematria of echad, one. Yichud, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Okay, echad is aleph ches dalid, one plus eight plus four, that's 13. And we're going to explain furthermore, like, so, but where, where else, how else is this idea embedded here? We're going to get to this. This is all closing in on that idea that I wanted to give this year about a few weeks ago and still haven't quite managed to unearth it all, but apparently we need all this background information first. Vihine ra'ora isi, he says, I saw a beautiful and correct and, and like perfect and accepted, like something that just sits really well, explanation of this. According to the Rav Baal Avodas HaKodesh, the author of the Sefer Avodas HaKodesh in Chelek HaAvoda, Perak Asiri. He says, I'm going to copy down some of what he said here because this is the best answer. And these, and these words are more, more cherished than gold and sweeter than honey. The first bracha 
Atachonin Adam Das, which remember Rav Hirsch said, this is like the primary concern of the Jew. The foremost concern before all other wishes is this mental ability. That was how Rav Hirsch put it, having kindly analyzed all the Kabbalistic sources in advance <laughs> and the other sources, non-Kabbalistic, and put them all and synthesized them down into a sentence or two. Okay. He says that first bracha shows us that that is the ikar. Okay, remember, the Abu Darham said something similar. He said the first, the, whatever is first in order in these brachos is more fundamental and more necessary. Everything else is going to depend on that as you go, level by level, through these requests. The first one is the ikar. In other words, it encapsulates in it all other needs. This is another example in its way of Haskell, right? Of learning and understanding how does this learning come into practice? How does that get expressed in me and my life and my thinking? The need for mental ability encapsulates into it all other needs. Okay, so why is that? There's a couple levels of this that we're going to talk about. So he starts by saying, because that's the one thing that if a person has it, there's no, there's no, um, there's no minus. <laughs> there's no downside. A person could ask for wealth, and they could be asking for something that actually is a downside. Even, it, even if his intentions are good, okay? Even if it's not selfish. We're, we've, we're not, we've gone past the question of, is this a selfish request? Okay? A person could ask for wealth, and not know that if they got it, it would be bad for them in some way. Mm -hmm. Even health, a person could ask for health, and it could be that in some way it would be bad for them. Maybe the kapara that they're having, or maybe the development, the self-development they're achieving in their, you know, in their struggle with that. Every other request, it's possible that in asking for it, there, there's actually some sort of minus to it that they're just not aware of. But with someone who is truly asking, and we're, in all these cases, we're talking about not just sincerity, but asking for the sake of Shem Hashem. Asking for knowledge is only asking from a desire and will to know God. That, that's what it means. It's very interesting. When we're talking about knowledge, that a person should have knowledge and understanding. Remember, he translated it, reverse, true perception of the real nature of things and conditions. That's understanding how God is expressing himself to us in the world. That's what, that's what we're asking here. There's no downside. <laughs> that's why when we study Torah and we get this little uh, gem, we're, we're yeah. so... Happy. It's such happiness, yeah. right. And we've talked about how happiness is a function of knowing purpose. Uh -huh. Okay, so that's what we're getting to. It has to do with purpose in the end, right? Okay. When a person desires knowledge, and true knowledge is an understanding of God and God's communication with him and what he wants from him, to be able to contemplate higher things, which is the, the foundation for this idea of yichud, being able to declare God's oneness in the world. 
right? That comes from being able to say, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Hashem who is the God of Din is the God of Rachamim. It's all one. There's no distinction. It means we observe what's going on and we attribute it to its source. The true perception of the real nature of things. Okay? That, that is the foundation for this idea of Yichud, being able to, to perform this, let's call it Kiddush Hashem. So, Mivakesh Milfanav, we beg of God, we plead with Him. The person who desires this is begging of Hashem that He should grant Him. Deya Bina and Haskel, Shehu HaPesach, that's the opening. It's like there's a wall there and <laughs> you need God to open the door. That's the opening in order to be able to do Yichud Hashem, to be a, a, have a share in performing. That Hashem HaGadol, God's great name, Bichvodo in glory. Shezehu Tachlis HaAvoda, which is the whole point of all Avoda. The whole purpose that's a strong statement, but it shouldn't surprise us because we know when man was created, we were created to see that there was need and to ask God for it, meaning to recognize that God is the provider of everything and to thank him for it. Man was created in what, with what is his special aspect of being created that differs from any other creation because Nothing's in duplicate, right? You have lions, you have tigers. Each one has its own thing, role that it performs in being able to represent God's creation of the world with mankind. It's Dea Vidibor. Dea. Mm -hmm. Knowledge of it and Dibor and speaking of it. Okay, being able to ask for it and also to recognize it. For us, it appears that we mostly recognize it. We recognize it better when we see what it looks like missing. Then we realize how important it is to have it. Right? That was the model of the rain. Adam created before there was any rain. There was only mist. And in this way, he recognized that there was a need and could request it. And that helps us to be grateful. When we know what it looks like to not have, then we're much better able to be grateful for having. Okay? But that, all of that is day of a debor. That's our job here. To connect the lower world and the upper world, like going way back to our introductions to the davening shear, right? Like Yaakov at the, the gateway of heaven. Okay, we're learning, we're this, what I'm reading here is from a book called Shar HaShemayim. That's Yaakov's term. Yaakov Avinu. Zez Shar HaShemayim. He, he realized he was, where was he sleeping? This is the gateway to heaven. Right, he was at the Makam HaMikdash. The gate, <coughs> sorry, Lysol. Pooh. <laughs> Glad I have the window open. Okay, sorry. It's open. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, we, we'll, be, we'll be well fumigated. <laughs> this safer that I'm reading from is a, is a safer called Shar HaShemayim, the gateway to heaven. It's a commentary on tefillah, on prayer. Okay. Because Yaakov slept, and he had an, a prophetic dream. He saw a ladder extending from heaven to earth. He realized this place, this place of tefillah, where the Beis HaMikdash will be, where the Avoda is, where our Shmona Esri is directed. That place, that direction to heaven, that is a connection between this world and the next. That's what prayer is about. That is the purpose of Avoda as prayer. That is the purpose of Avoda as in Avoda in the Beis HaMikdash. That's the purpose of Avoda, being in the world as a human being. This is why we're here. 
but he's really just, and, and we've seen this concept before, he's going to mention it, we've seen this concept before, it's a pasuk, Kimala Haaretz Dea Es Hashem, the time when God will be fully revealed in the world, right, in the Messianic era, that's when the world will be filled of Dea Es Hashem, knowledge of God. Do you mind closing the bathroom door? Because it's just like a lot of lice on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So when a person says this bracha of Hashem, you're the one who grants us knowledge. And is, this is the first primary need that we ask for. You know what that shows? He indicates with this, tachlis ahavaso udvekuso bo. The, the goal, the, the whole objective, the whole, the whole focus of his love and clinging to God. And that he desires to never be separated from God. This is this idea of Shmona Esrei as a bonding with him. A unification with God, right? We've talked about in Shema, it's just him and me. It's very intimate. But in Shmona Esrei, it's more than intimate. It's, we're just one. There's a unification there. This is what a person shows when he says he wants knowledge. It means real knowledge, understanding, and closeness to Hashem. He only wants ladas also, to feel intimate knowledge of God. Hadas ha'amiti, true knowledge, that's yichud. The ultimate knowledge is yichud. It's the recognition. If a person would have the ultimate degree of das, that would mean that he could see in everything in the world a full and complete expression of God's presence. That's the ultimate real knowledge. There's another way you could read that. Das means also intimacy, right? Adam knew his wife, Hava. It doesn't mean they became acquainted, right? It means they were intimate. That's yichud. That's unification. Because intimacy, male-female intimacy is a unification even in a physical sense. Also, hopefully, an emotional sense. Okay? That's a model. That's not an accident. That's because das ha'amiti, true knowledge, is a unification. So Yirmiyahu taught us. Yirmiyahu the Navi. Ko'amar Hashem. I'm now reading from the Navi Tupsukim. Perak Tes, Chav Beis, and Chav Gimel. So says God. I think I quoted this in a Shabbos shir the other day, but I, it was sometime in the last two, three weeks, but I couldn't remember where it was. A wise person should not, we would say like flatter himself for his wisdom. Okay, lehalel, you remember, we talked about this word, lehalel is actually reflecting something that exists, right? So God's light shining on us when we reflect that, that would be us speaking it out and saying like Hallel, right? It's a, praising Hashem, but it's, it's a reflection of what he has done. A person shouldn't praise himself for his wisdom, right? I, I, I'm so smart, I take credit for that. No. And a powerful person should not praise himself for his might. And a wealthy person should not flatter himself or praise himself for his wealth. These are not so simple, by the way. These, what he's describing is a frequent tendency. 
This is not just like some kind of hypothetical possibility, right? Wealthy people have a tendency to have a test of crediting themselves for the fact that they've become wealthy because they've worked so hard and they've had such wonderful insights into market, whatever it is, right? That they know real estate, they know, I don't know, okay, they were in the right place, they know how to get there ahead of other people, whatever it is, and people who are smart can feel that they're better than other people because they read up or they read the right things or they went to the right schools or they sound smart. And someone who's strong, but they work out and they exercise. Okay. There's a lot of ways you can also understand that. Like one is taking the credit for it. The other is what are you, what are you proud of? What, okay, you could read this in a more positive sense, not, oh, that you take credit for it, but what is a person proud of in themselves? Their might, their wealth, their knowledge. I don't know, like who gave it to them? <laughs> really? Like that's something to be proud of? Okay. This, rather, only in this should a person take pride or flatter himself or be proud of. It's interesting. So it's not, he's not saying never praise yourself for anything. There's one thing, though, that's what you should really be focused on. If you want to know what, what a person should be proud of in their effort, Haskell, know. Viadoaosi, know me. Okay, remember, Haskell was a practical application of the knowledge. Das, true perception of the real nature of things. Haskell v'yadoa osi. No, recognize me. Kiani Hashem, it is I, God, ose chesed mishpat utzdaka ba'aretz, who does chesed mishpat and tzedakah in the land. Ki ve'elechofatzti, this is what I desire, says God. Okay, back to the shloch, who referenced that. Source. This is what the Navi Yirmiyahu taught us. May he rest in peace. It is only this that a person should be praising. Haskel v'yadoa also. The knowledge of God. Who does chesed, mishpat, and tzedakah in the land. Because this is what he desires. What Yirmiyahu is saying is, ha'hilul ha'amisi la'adam. The real praise of a person. In other words, when was a person successful? Our tendency is to think of success in one of three ways. Wisdom, right? Brilliance, power, or physical might, or wealth. And Hashem is saying, that's not success. Real success in a human being, is how far they've gotten down the path of Yichud Hashem. That's what it's all about. The who Amro, that's why he said, Haskil Viadoosi. If you wanna if you wanna be a success, there is something you should be aiming for. It's knowledge of God. Sha'al Yideh Sechel Tov, through this good understanding and knowledge of what is good, that's the foundation of life. <laughs> that's really why we're put here. All the other things are in service of that. So all the other needs that we have, Martha, all the other needs that we have are legitimate, but they could all have a downside. Martha? 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 Okay. 
No, I mean, it's, it's not an emergency. It's just no, a question of oh, it's more comfortable not to feel like you're all stuffy. Martha? Yeah. Hi. Oh. Thank you. Just a little congested. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So I think this helps us understand. All the other things, they could have a lack. They could have a downside because they're not the goal. They're the means to the goal. But when a person asks for das, in the real meaning of das, there's no downside to that. That is the goal. That's like all effort that goes into that branch of serving Hashem is, is purely towards the achievement. And Hashem says, Keep, uh, what was that pasuk here? Ki ve'ele ne'um Hashem. So says God, that's what I want. That's what I desire. So you remember we started this by saying that there's an indication within our, our requests of our needs of something that's a tzorach gavoah, a higher need. God says, this is what I want. Okay? Now, with God, want is not a necessity. He's not missing anything, right? But with a person... Right? What would it mean to say I want? It means like I somehow feel that I'm craving. In some way, I need it. Right? This is that indication of that higher need, so to speak. Hashem says, that's what I want. That my yichud should be recognized and made known amongst you. That is the ratzon and chayfetz elyon, the higher desire, the higher will, the higher need. So true das is yichud, is this knowledge of yichud, and that's why this bracha of das comes before all other requests. It's on a global level, but even on an individual level, our highest need. It's our highest primary concern and desire. Reverse said it. I mean, it's like nothing new. It's just somehow deeper, I hope, right? When we're breaking down into the parts, this is really the first and fundamental. Everything else follows on that. So if you'd go a mile, <laughs> Was it? There's some commercial like that, right? I'd go a mile probably for a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bad example. There's no bracha for cigarettes here, right? Can you tell me what is shla again? Who is that? The shla is Rav Yishaya Halevi Hurwitz. Levi Hurwitz, a couple hundred years ago. He's called shla because he wrote a book called Shnei Luchos Habris, the two tablets, like the. Ten Commandments on the Two Tablets, uh-huh. Shnei Luchos Habris, which the, the, that's an abbreviate, if you abbreviate it, that's oh, Shin Lamed, hey, oh, Shla. His name is Yeshaya mm-hmm. Halevi Horowitz. Okay. All right. So. Yeah, I mean, that's why he called it Shnei Luchos Habris, because, whatever, it hints to his name. There's a tradition of not signing your name per se, but choosing a name for a sefer that is a hint to the name of the author as well. Okay. So the first of all needs is das, because it's why we're here. <laughs> it's why we're here, so it represents our greatest need. And within that, it also represents the Torah Elyon, like what we're in service of. <clears throat> you can think of das as knowing how to serve him, and you can think of das as the service itself. It's both. Which then puts all of our bakashos that are going to stream out from here going forward, all 13 of them, in terms of a desire to serve Hashem. That 
is now becomes the way that we're looking at everything, everything that we need. We need health to be able to function and do this. Why? Because we need to serve Hashem. What is it God wants of me? He wants me to do the mitzvot. It's hard to do a lot of mitzvot if you don't have the health. Right? It's hard to do a lot of mitzvot if you don't have the money. If only to survive. Right? You don't need to maybe be wealthy, but you have to have enough. Like, you have to be able to function. Right? Hard to do mitzvot when you're enslaved. Hard to do mitzvot if there's no agriculture. It's hard to do mitzvot without proper judges. It's hard to do mitzvot without a base hamikdash. Okay? These are needs that we have, but we have these needs as a function of what does God want of me? What is, what's his need? This is, I think, the, be, the beginning of, of this idea of yichud of God's name and yichud of ourselves with him. Of, that's das. That's that connection, that intimacy. Okay, so Rav Schwab points out over here about das. The basic meaning of the word das is the ability to think. However, in the Torah, it can also refer to an intimate connection or relationship between a man and woman. As in, the man knew Chava, his wife. So the extended meaning of das is connection. That's the greater meaning of it. Not just knowing how to think, it's connection. Based on the fact that knowing or thinking about something means there is a connection between one's mind and the object of the knowledge. Das, the ability to think, is a combination of Chachma and Bina. So there's Chachma, which is sort of intellectual knowledge of something. There's Bina, which is that deeper understanding and the interconnectedness, interrelatedness of things. There's a logical process there, whether it's conscious or unconscious, saying, hey, wait, that matches that. That's like that, okay? Or I could take that and, and I could um, e- extract out, for, I could extrapolate a new idea, but it's not really new. It's following the pattern of that, and I'll know something there, okay? But Das combines that. And Das, for one to think about something, he has to know it exists. That's Chachma. That's like basic knowledge, knowing about stuff. Drawing a conclusion from the knowledge, that would be Bina. Das is the ability to think about it. And that is a human level. So there's animals that can learn about stuff. They can gain experience, knowledge of things. But to be able to think about them in an abstract way. So I can take something that's tangible and physical, and from it, I could think about something that's completely abstracted, mathematical, right? It doesn't have to have a direct tie. The das forms a way of connecting between that which is completely intangible and that which is tangible. It's thinking about things, about the idea of two or four, not just four apples, and being able to tell the difference between them. Okay. That's this concept of das as connection or intimacy. Um, gosh, okay, it's late. We'll, co- we'll continue next time. I, I really wanted to finish. I won't be here next Okay, I know you're going to be away. So do you want me to do like three minutes more and just finish this one stage and then we'll move on? Okay, sorry. All right. So we had an idea like this from Mikhtav Meliyahu um, of the, the knowledge of God being the unification of his name, but also a unification with God, um, with the idea of walking in God's ways. 
this is very, very, I'm saying similar idea. I think it's probably the same idea, but be careful, you know, what I, I don't want to draw too far. Okay. Which says this. He quotes a pasuk in Yoel. Um, it's the Yalkut on Yoel. The pasuk is in Dvarim. Which says, anyone who is called by the name of God will escape. Is it possible for a person to be called B'Shem Hashem? That sounds outrageous and certainly doesn't sound like a basis for escaping anything. Right? <laughs> sounds terrible. Person doesn't get called by God's name. Person gets called by a person's name and Hashem, his name is holy. We don't throw it around. What does this teach us? God is called Rachum. He taught us that, that we should call him Rachum, compassionate. So you should also act in that way and do things compassionately. Then you'll be known as Rachum. Nikra HaMakom Tzadik, God is called righteous. You should also be righteous. Nikra HaMakom Chassid, God is called Chassid. Also like uh, wanting to do above and beyond, doing chesed. So you should also do chesed. That's that, that Mishnah that's brought in Avos. All that is called in my name, I have created it for my glory, says God. This, I think, Mishlei. Everything that God has wrought is for his sake. For the sake of his name. Okay, and it gives an example. All right. So we learned two very important foundations here, says Ravel Yahu Dessler. One is that one who calls out in the name of God, who attributes to God, who says God is the real source of everything that is happening over here, he's the creator, is one and the same as a person who is called by the name of God. It's one of the things we learn right here. Yeah, it's quite an astonishing statement. Nikra b'shem Hashem. What does it mean, Nikra b'shem Hashem? Shehu mitzivo shamakam. Means he's part of the, the, God's troops. Okay, because the case that was brought there in, in the Medrash was an example of a person, um, a Roman legionnaire who comes with a message and he shows up at the governor's palace. He knocks on the door. They're like, do you have an appointment? Like, <laughs> he says, I come from Papianos, the general. So they open the door for him. Why do they open the door for him? Because he's calling in the name of Papianos the general, not because he, little Joe Schmo, like legionnaire, should get to come into the palace. He doesn't get to come into the palace. Ah, but you're rep- you came here calling out the name of Papianos, so we opened the door for you. So a person who calls out in the name of God, so now he's, it's as if the name of God is sort of on him too. Just like the person who is a, a, a soldier with a message from Papianus the general. So now he's Papianus' soldier, right? So the name of Papianus is now also called on this person. It's not his name, and yet it is his name. When we're God's soldiers, when we are doing his will, performing his service, his message, bringing his messages, then we're his, Right? Like the idea of the name, Yisrael, having God's name on the Jewish people. Hashem says he calls his name upon us. Okay? That it's our name too. It's, it's not my name. It's God's name. But it's my name because I'm in this group of his. Like a person in the, in the army. 
Okay. When a person's in, why he says do the, does the Mishnah and this Gemara? Why did why does it compare it to someone who's in the army? Because when a person's in the army, everything he's doing is in service of the army's goal, like his general's goals. So it's true he sleeps at night and he sleeps because he's tired. But the reason he's sleeping, they let him sleep because they want him to be able to fight in the morning. Right? Like the reason the army feeds him, so the army provides all of his needs in order that everything he does, having made use of those needs, will be in service of the army. God provides all of our needs, including our parnasa and our health and our life and our family and our wealth, so that we will be able to use them in service of him. That's what they're for. Okay, you see how this is the idea that we're talking about here of our, our bakashos. We're asking for all of these things, but what are we asking for them for? Why are we asking for health? Why are we asking for wealth? And it's not just a cute, like a tautology of how we're saying it. This is where our head is. Hashem, let me understand. Let me understand how to serve you and let me understand you because that is the service of you. Everything else comes out and falls after that because that's what it's all for. So all of a person's desires are then for service of Hashem. Then he subsumes himself with all of his individuality, including his eating, his drinking, all of that becomes part of his avodas Hashem. In the same way that when a soldier sleeps, he's doing the army a favor. Not if he sleeps on duty, when he sleeps off duty. He's still serving the army even by sleeping, even by eating, even by exercising. Right? The army actually will regulate. You have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to exercise. They test you. <laughs> right? They do. Why? So that you can function and do a good job. Okay? That's all of our life. So Chazal have told us that when a person reaches a high level of this, that's called calling out in the name of God and the name of God being called on him. And there is no difference. It's one and the same. The second thing we learn from this passage is that the only way to be a Kore B'Shem Hashem is to follow in God's pattern, to emulate Him. That just like Hashem is compassionate and gives freely to all, He's a giver. So then, if you want to emulate, if you want to be a Kore B'Shem Hashem, you have to emulate that. You have to be a giver. So this calling in the name of God then has two aspects. The advertising, the, the farsame, the making known the name of heaven, Shem Shemayim. And permeating your own environment with that. So the people who come into your personal space, people that you impact, you know, you happen to find yourself in a mall, you happen to find yourself in an airplane, you happen to find yourself in a shul, you happen to find yourself in a gas station, wherever you happen to be, that increases a recognition of God in the world. He says, by the way, that's not achieved through drushos. <laughs> drushos have no power. Because everyone who listens will apply it to whatever they wish to apply it to. Okay. What it is, is through example. And that's how God shows us. Mahu rachum avatar rachum. Emulation is how it happens, through deeds. Through big deeds and small deeds, many and few. 
chesed in all directions, being able to not love the self and take, but be able to give. This is how we influence others, the way that God influences us. And second is that calling out in the name of Hashem. So one of it is through example. And the other way of calling out in the name of God is tefillah. I mean, literally calling out the name of Hashem. That's tefillah. So rak mishahu no sane. So it's only when one becomes a giver and all of his yearning and desire is to do chesed, it's that frame of mind that is the real tefillah. A real Shemona Esrei, the ultimate Shemona Esrei, doesn't mean the other kind isn't real, but a, a perfected Shemona Esrei, a person's in the state of mind of a giver. He's saying 13 bakashos, requests, but they're coming from an attitude of being a giver, not a taker. That's a completely... It's, it's a different way of asking. <laughs> it's a really different way of asking when what you're asking for is to be allowed to give. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll stop there. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for putting up with that. Okay. That was amazing. Oh, so, like I said, we're still closing in on what I was originally, what I'm still trying to find out. Yeah. We're emulating Hashem. Yes, exactly.